Hello and welcome to Concert Pipeline. The Concert Pipeline. The Concert Pipeline. <laughs> Concert Pipeline. Pod. 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 <laughs> Concert Pipeline. Pod. That's Steve Jones. And that's Joe Wilson. <laughs> I also work for the children. I'm celebrating the American dream with my blood brothers on the Concert Pipeline. Live it up, you little monkeys! All right, we are here with episode 51 of the Concert Pipeline podcast. How are you doing, Joe Wilson? Uh, I'm tired. I, I hate daylight savings. I think it's uh, I think it's a travesty. Uh, it's it's awful, and uh, as a result, I'm I'm still getting over a head cold, and <clears throat> I didn't get as much sleep as I would have liked last night. And uh, you know, in the middle of like a nine day work stretch, so. Uh, but no, no complaints. I'm alive. I'm alive, and I'm here. So uh, life is good in that regard. You're alive, and you don't need a witness. <laughs> no, it's true. I don't. Um, that's right. I haven't been. I wasn't laying in the dark searching for the resolution last <laughs> night, though. I was, in fact, just. Uh, I drank some Robitussin, and I slept like a fucking baby. Uh, my poor wife did not. Was not so fortunate. Uh, uh-huh. Didn't sleep well last night. And uh, on top of that, has to has to close tonight and open tomorrow. And I'm doing the same thing, but it's not as bad for me. I'm I'm a little I'm in a little bit better situation than she is. I don't work as late. Uh, I do work earlier, but it makes life easier. Yeah. So yeah. Well, well, today we have a a couple of good shows coming up. Uh, lined how are, up. No wait. How are you doing? I think that's important. I thought we were just going to avoid that, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about it. Can, right, let's, can... let's do the talking cure. Let's get a little therapy in here. Okay, so well, let's let's say who we have on the show first. We have... Uh, All right, who do we have on the show? So on the today's show, we have Galactic. Uh, they played... Uh, actually saw them last night at the Fillmore in San Francisco, and lots of stories around that. We uh, I also interviewed the opening band, Conbrio, which was amazing, and... Um, you may or may not get a chance to um, hear an interview with them uh, right now. Uh, then that why is, is that, Stephen Jones? Why is that? <laughs> As my voice starts trembling, right? Because of, because uh-huh. of the, fr- the frustration. Um, so I did this awesome interview with Conbrio before the show. I did the phone interview uh, that I did with Galactic. I did a couple of days ago. Um, they were too, they, they weren't able to make the interview at the venue work, which is fine. Um, but I uh, we'll, so we'll have a good interview with them. We'll get to hear a couple songs from Galactic, um, and. Um, as far as Combrio the opener is concerned, I did an interview with them um, before their set, and um, and then after the interview, I uh, I went out to my car and I put my equipment and the concert pipeline banner, which you love so much, uh, back in the car, uh, and what um, happened? And I went and watched the show, right? And I uh, I hung out in front of the stage and. <laughs> Um, and shot some video of Combrio, and then shot some video of Galactic, and I, and I went backstage and hung out backstage for a bit, and then before Galactic set was over, about, uh, I stayed for like an hour of Galactic set, um, and then went out to my car, and someone was nice enough to uh, break my window. Um, I, I didn't even have to ask. And, uh, and Oh, they, wow. That's so courteous. Of some San Francisco citizen, maybe they thought that there was a a dog trapped inside. They probably in the did. Sun. They saw the car seats and probably thought there were kids in the. That's in right. The they car. were like, "There must be a baby in that back seat. I'll break the front seat and steal 
this guy's audio equipment to make sure the baby's okay. You, you how'd you know the audio equipment was stolen? <laughs> uh, you told me, uh, unfortunately. Oh yeah. yeah. So they stole the uh, concert pipeline audio equipment, uh, including microphones and the audio uh, recorder and uh, backup battery. You know, the pack that I use for like my iPhone if I need it, like for bottle rock type things where I'm going to be out all day and uh, right. sort of thing. Um, so you know, just all my audio equipment was in there, including the Conbrio interview, which had just been recorded. So I don't have that. I'm going to try and get uh, them to do a phone interview or something because I... Super, super shitty, man. Yeah, yeah. So they smashed glass all over. It was, I mean, it was all over the back, you know, back seat, too. It got everywhere. They didn't even try to keep it clean. Um, right. You know, um, and... Well, why would they? I mean, <laughs> they didn't... It's, it was a smash and grab. They were probably yeah. in there. They probably smashed the window and, and grabbed that shit and gone in, in like 15 to 30 seconds. Yeah. So, God, it sucks. Yeah, yeah. And it's not the first time I've had equipment stolen. I mean, I had, back in the Concert Pipeline's original heyday, I had uh, my all my video equipment stolen from my house when I lived at where I was renting in, in Fresno. Um, right. Like a $2,500 like video camera as well as a $500 video camera and all the other you know, microphones and stuff again, right? Um, so I should have known better than to leave it in the car. Um, I, I had it covered up. They stole my shorts too. Um, that it was cover. That it was covering the, um, the equipment. So, um, so yeah. So that happened. It sucks, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. What a shitty thing to happen. Yeah. So, um, it's so unfortunate too because it's like, oh god, people like that are so. It's so fucking short sighted, and so like. Like temporary, like how much is that guy gonna be able to resell that shit for? I know. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, what's he even gonna get out of it? There's no, there's no real value there for him. Like the, <sighs> the audio recorder is worth a couple hundred, but how much is he gonna get for it used? Like, yeah, know, like I maybe a hundred bucks. Yeah, and if worth all of the shit that I have to go through to replace it and deal with the window, replace and the window, clean, clean up the glass, yeah, and you no know, shitty. Yeah, and uh, and so it's like everyone's so about themselves, you know? Um, and, yeah. um, and that was obviously sucky. I mean, it's a film where I should have kept my equipment on my, cause it's not the best area, but I've parked there before. I've never had any issues. Um, I didn't, uh, I, I, I didn't leave it like sitting out or anything. So I, you know, I figured it would be okay and I was wrong, you know? So, yeah. Um, yep, shit, shit the, happens. It, it, this it, is, see, this is how I tie everything back into Star Trek, Stephen, because in a future where replicator technology exists, people won't need to steal things. That's great. So uh, That's going to be awesome. I can't wait. I, I can't wait. It'll be in our lifetime, build, right? We need to build the Enterprise. Well, I mean, we have to figure out the fuel crisis first. Once we, once we figure out a source of renewable, endless, clean energy... Then uh, that honestly that destabilizes the entire idea of a of a uh, capitalism based economy because once the energy is free the production is free right there's still obviously resources that go into those things but uh, and then once three D printing has come along uh, to a technology level where it's it's essentially replicator technology uh, we'll be I'll be we'll be off to the races I'll be I can't wait it's gonna be great yeah yeah so that will be uh, a lot of fun let me know when that's gonna happen. Um, uh, timeline's probably about 100, 150 years. So maybe not 
unless we get those amazing medical advances that extend our lifetime, uh, our kids will most certainly see it towards the end of theirs, and our grandchildren will definitely see it. Yeah. Assuming and, we don't blow everything up first, right? <laughs> uh-huh. and, and so, you know, as sucky as all that is, it's a bitch, it's stuff I have to deal with, and... Uh, we'll oh, it's so shitty. God, it makes me feel it. so awful. I'm sorry, man. But, like I said, I mean, uh, you you joke about the concert pipeline banner and you don't like carrying it around and it embarrasses you sometimes. But that's, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that didn't get taken, though. They, I, I'm sure they didn't unroll it or know, even know what it was or even look at it or anything, because if they had, they, they might have, I mean, taken it. I, well, that would have been... Well, that's the thing, though, is that, like, how would they have been able to resell that fun thing? I don't, I mean, I don't know, Pawn Stars? Like, <laughs> um, right? But, I mean, it's it's a piece of music history. It's I can't recreate I, yeah. it. It's it's no. honestly my most prized possession. I don't, I don't have a lot of stuff, you know, I have some... That's part, why, that's, part, that's part of why I think it's so funny, though, is, like, yeah. I'm, I'm, a dick, I'm a dick about it, but, like, it, it's so important to you. You know, that's why I'm so, but that's honestly, that's why I'm so glad it didn't get taken. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, that got kept, um, luckily and, and I should hold on to that too, <laughs> but yeah, I think from now on you're going to have to wear that thing around your waist. Oh yes. Yes. I'll, I'll get rid of it. You, you know what you need? You need like a fucking, like, you need like a shoulder tube, you know, like how guys carry pool cues around. Mm-hmm. That's what you need. You need one of those for your, for your banner. Maybe that's what I'll get you for Christmas this year. Or a big fanny pack. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that would be so much cooler. I know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, it wouldn't totally negate the fact that, like, the shoulder kind of uh, pool cue thing would make it look concealed and kind of cool. Uh, no, we would rather... <laughs> <laughs> we'd rather fucking put it in a giant fanny pack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway... That's that is what it is. It was a great show. Um, I uh, I liked uh, Galactic as well. I I really liked Conbrio. They uh, I know I've I haven't stopped talking about them to you, and you haven't. You have not stopped talking about them. You love them. Well, you yeah, you, and you haven't given them really a listen yet because you didn't want to you know uh, make yourself sad that you didn't get didn't go to the show. It's true. I didn't want to regret not going to the concert. Yeah. But he, the lead singer of Combrio, like he, he's got moves, he's got style, he's got chords, he's <laughs> like even Stephen Jones, a little bit of a man crush going on here. I just, I told him, I told him, God, you're gushing. <laughs> I told him, I told like, him how hot he was. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I said, you got no, moves, you got uh, style. I don't, like it, I, I do, we do a lot of interviews. I do a lot of interviews. You do some. Um, and, <laughs> you and should say we as a collective con- concert, concert pipeline. pipeline. I'll, I'll the concert, the concert pipeline. We yeah, uh, do a lot of interviews, and there's and you get to hear new music through it, and uh, get out of your comfort zone. And this isn't some like music that I would tor- typically no you know venture towards. Neither but, would I. You know me. Yeah, but but from the like it's from when I the first time I listened to them like it's just like this has this has a great feel. It's like got a lot of energy and it's got style and and I just I dig it. And so I, and I told them, you know, as much as well. So um so like I said, I'll I'll see if we can get another interview with Combrio uh and and do that, but uh, they're going to be at Bottle Rock. Uh, as well, so maybe we'll oh, sweet. do it at Bottle Rock um, in addition to the other nine interviews that we have lined up there. Um, <laughs> but, 
in um, addition to all of the other ones. Yeah, but but it would definitely be worth it. And I, it's high life if you're going to Bottle Rock to check out um, Cambrio. It would be definitely worth your while. Um, today on the program, we'll che- uh, check out Galactic. Um, and they're kind of a, a funk band from uh, New Orleans. And I did a phone interview with, uh, with their guitarist. And um, so we'll get to check that out in a little bit. They don't really have a lead singer. They don't really flow that way. They do, they do their own thing. They play, and so they, they had a lot of songs that, where they just um, played their own, you know, their funk music. But they, they usually bring someone out who's typically from New Orleans as well, from the New Orleans music scene, and uh, to, to play with them. And so right now they have uh, this artist named Erica Falls, um, who um, it plays a bunch of songs out, uh, with them, and so she they they started out on their own, you know, playing their just a in instrumental track, uh, a couple mm-hmm. of instrumental tracks, and then they brought her out for a couple of songs, and then she went uh, went off stage, and um, and then uh, they had a couple of other guest musicians as well that they uh, brought out. Um, at different points and a couple of them played with you know with Erica and they just I mean did it was like a big jam session sort of thing which was um, it was pretty, pretty awesome yeah it was pretty cool and so um, so it was it was a good time so we're going to we're going to hear a couple of songs from uh, the Galactic set as well as the interview I figure uh, we'll start it out um, on a um, on a high note uh, talking about Erica Falls let's listen to one of the songs that Galactic did with with Erica
All right, I'm here with Hello. Jeff Rains. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. So uh, we have Jeff from Galactic, and uh, Jeff, you're currently in Los Angeles, right? That is correct. If, very I'm cool. Just in Venice Beach. Oh, Venice Beach. You get a chance to visit the beach today? Yeah, yeah, I was just there. Oh, awesome. How's the, how's the weather out there? It's it's nice up here in the bay too. I'm uh, I'm in Napa, California, so uh, so it's a uh, I think a oh, nice day nice day in California, right? Oh man, I know I have I have a mountain bike I bring on tour, so I've been riding around. Oh, awesome, awesome, right? Do you uh, do you get a good chance to uh, get out when you're on tour and uh, and explore the different areas that you get to uh, visit? Well, I do now. I got this bicycle. I got this like collapsible um, full size mountain bike. Mm-hmm. So I've been like in America lately. I was on the 101 yesterday in San Diego at like Torrey Pines, you know, this national park right around Del Mar. But anyway, yeah, with the bike I get out a lot, man. It's been awesome. Oh, that's that, that's really cool. And so this this weekend you're going to be playing at the Fillmore. Have you ever gotten to play the Fillmore before? Oh yeah, we've been playing there for probably 15 years or something. It's such an amazing venue. It's my favorite place to see see concerts. It's got so much energy and history in it, right? Oh, absolutely. It's one of my favorites by far as well. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how uh, Galactic got together. It's been like, what, almost 20 years now, right? Uh, Yeah, we were touring, I think this is our 18th, coming up on our 18th summer touring, something like that. Um, We were all kind of in college together and had similar, you know, musical interests. And um, the bass player and I grew up together outside of Washington, D.C. And so we kind of had started a band in New Orleans and... You know, everybody kind of that had similar interests musically sort of gravitated towards this whole scene that we had going on, and Galactic kind of was born out of that, I guess. Cool. And um, and so, do, uh, do you remember your first concert that you went to? Well, I guess it was. Um, you know, in Washington, there was a pretty cool, like, and progressive punk rock scene. You know, so yeah, there'd be a lot of community center shows. You know, that you could go to that were all ages. So, you know, my first sort of musical memories were seeing all these Washington um, punk rock bands in the 80s, you know? Yeah. Uh, what what sort of venues did you uh, did you go to? I've heard of, like, the 930 Club out there. Is that still one? Yeah, yeah, we're about to go play it. Like, originally it was a, a pretty small venue down in Washington where mm-hmm. we would sneak out and um, and go see concerts from time to time, you know? There was a guitar player in Washington at the time named Danny Gatton that was, like, the telemaster, like super badass dude. So we would sneak out quite a, quite a bit and go see him play. Um, but then the, that 930 Club closed and they opened up a larger venue that's sort of similar to the Fillmore, really. Um, that's beautiful, a beautiful place. And we've been playing there ever since. Awesome. When did you know that, uh, that this is what you want to do, that you want to be a musician? Well, you know, we, uh, I always had bands like th- from junior high school to through high school, through college, you know? Yeah. So I feel like I've sort of been in this band mind you know, my entire life almost. Um, but, you know, it was a, it was always a goal to have a band that was doing well and kicking ass. Once we started getting a little successful in college, you know, it was like, hey, man, wait a minute. Maybe we have a shot at really doing this as a career. Um, so that, that was, you know, I think we made like $4,000 one night when we were juniors in college. Yeah. We were sitting back there, you know, staring at each other just like, holy shit, man. <laughs> you know, this is real money here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. So, uh, so then, um, about 10, uh, 10 years later, I guess it was about 10 years ago then at, at this point, um, you, uh, you guys kind of separated from Theral and, um, and you've been focusing more on the instrumental and I, I, would you say that's kind of freed you to kind of, um, explore different areas of music and be open to, um, other kind of genres as well? Well, yeah, you know, music's changed a lot over our career, I feel like, too, just in terms of how it's recorded to how it's um, released to the death of the record store, you know? Yeah. It's definitely, um, it's definitely transformed in the last 20 years. Um, but, you know, cause breaking off with Daryl was just kind of like, kind of talking about his health and him not being able to tour, and, you know, we just kind of wanted to do something different. Um, there was never, like, a... Um, desire to not work with vocalists, I think, sort of to the contrary, really. Um, we've always enjoyed working with with vocalists, and, you know, not having, like, a set lead singer sort of allows us to do a bunch of different stuff, which I, I think is, is fortunate, and it sort of keeps us interested in a way, and hopefully keeps our fans sort of wondering what's going to happen next, you know? <laughs> It's good to keep them on our toes because not many bands have that kind of freedom to kind of uh, do what they want and bring in who they want uh, at different times and kind of just make it whatever they're, they're feeling at that time, right? Well, yeah, you know, and at this point in our career, we're kind of able to work with some more high-profile people. Like, we just finished a record that's not mastered yet, but um, and we've got Mavis Staples on a track and, uh, like, Macy Gray is on a track oh. and um, J.J. Gray, a lot of Grays. A lot of grays. Bopro um, is on a track. <laughs> no relations, but anyway. Um, and so, you know, so that's been kind of exciting, you know, working with some artists that are more, you know, have, have more of a high profile, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so so when you have, like, Mavis, gray, uh, Mavis Staples or Macy Gray um, come in, like, did, does that is that set up, like, through the record label, or is it do you guys cross paths and when touring or and become friends, or how, how those um, kind of collaborations come together? Well, we kind of had our management reach out to Macy and to do some shows. Like, we're doing, this bunch of, we're doing Fuji Rock with her in uh, the New Orleans Jazz Fest, because we thought it would just be a cool fit, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, I can see and, that. And sort of combining forces, it would just... Everyone was like, well, this could be interesting, you know. <laughs> so, so we haven't played a show with her yet, but this, we had this track, and we were like, well, let's just send it to her and see if she would be willing to, to do something on it. And uh, and she crushed it, man. It's a great song, and we're all really excited about it. Yeah. It's called Into the Deep, which is the name of the album, actually, as well. Oh, nice. Okay. Do you have a, a an idea of when that album is going to come out? I know you said you are kind of mastering it right now. Yeah, I mean, it looks like the... We're releasing on a label called Mascot, which is a European label, and I think it'll be out this summer. I hope, like July. Okay, and I'm sure a lot more shows following that. Once you got the new new stuff coming out, right? Yeah, I mean it's kind of an unknown at this point, right? But it, it'll probably be July to September, I hope. Yeah. So, so you mentioned earlier, um, you know, uh, obviously New Orleans—that's a big uh, center for uh, for where uh, Galactic comes from, and so. Uh, I've never gotten the chance to go to a Mar- Mardi Gras or experience it. You know, probably the only experience I have of it is girls, you know, from seeing Girls Gone Wild or something, right? So, uh, can can you tell me kind of a little bit about your experiences with Mardi Gras and how that's influenced your guys' music as well? Well, Mardi Gras is sort of like an endurance event for us. Because like 15 years ago, we decided, like there's the Lundi Gras, which is, Monday before Mardi Gras Day, right, which is on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and uh, we decided we should play from midnight till we could see the sun coming up out the door of the club that we play at, which is called Tibetina, it's 
kind of this historic famous club in New Orleans. Yeah. And so now, 15 years later, you know, we're all like in our 40s, and it's like every year, you know, our fans, the show sells wildly well, and our fans love it, you know? <laughs> yeah. But now it's like everyone paces themselves by napping, you know, before the gig starts. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But, that's, but that would be certainly our big, like, Mardi Gras tradition. You know, we play this all-night show, three huge sets, and, uh, and then, you know, you walk out, you walk, you walk out the door of the club, and it's Mardi Gras day, and you go to the French Quarter and, and continue on your Mardi Gras mission, whatever it may be. Um, but generally, you know, we play Saturday night as well. And, well, you know, um, you know, Mardi Gras is not, like, specifically about music like jazz sets, you know. And so the crowds kind of reflect that. You know, people are pretty wild and in the streets. Um, and, you know, it's a good time. Yeah. fortunate to have made 24 of them in a row. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool. Um, so when you play like an all night set like that, do you just like pull out everything that you your whole catalog, or do you kind of find, uh, repeat a lot of tracks? You just kind of uh, and people come and go. Like how how does that work? Well, no, you know we've been at this for long enough that our catalog is deep enough to yeah. make it. You know we could do like two nights um, without repeating anything. In fact, we're about to in San Francisco, I hope. But um, but so you know we we got we got the material. That's not the problem. It's just sort of you know focused that long yeah yeah uh, you're, without your Stay fingers away. falling off right playing the guitar <laughs> yeah but i mean you know it is it is our our uh, our tradition so we kind of stick to it it's just getting out of it now you know <laughs> totally uh, i like it yeah i um about what was it probably 15 years ago um i interviewed another band from new orleans um cowboy mouth uh, do you have you ever played with them Oh yeah, yeah, we know Fred. Um, known him for years. In fact, uh, one of our first shows that we ever played at Tipitina's, the famous club I was talking about, was opening up for Cowboy Mouth at a Tulane, like Tulane University um, homecoming event. So yeah, we go way back with Fred. He's a great guy, great songwriter too, really. He is, yeah, and him on the drums, singing, and everything. It's I, like the, I, I feel the New Orleans like energy, and you both of kind of both in your, your bands, and it's just it's con- contagious. It's great to kind of get to see that out here on, on the West Coast because it's it feels really different than um, music that that we get out here, you know. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Fred is a ball of energy on stage, man. It's like <laughs> you know you, you can't forget that when no. you see him play. No, no, I definitely can't. Yeah, he could, uh, he could uh, dominate any room for sure, just by himself. <laughs> um, so, so tell me a little bit about uh, Carnival Electricios, uh, that you, your last album that came out in um, 2012. Like, how how did that all come together? What is involved in that? Because it sounds like such a production um, when it uh, when you listen to it. Well, we you know we had been making these sort of concept records. And so we decided, you know, we were going back and forth about what to do, and we decided we wanted to do, like, you know, our modern take on Mardi Gras music, because so much of it is, um, you know, was made in, like, the 60s and stuff, right? All yeah. All the tracks. And so we were like, well, let's, you know, it's a kind of interesting idea. So we started sort of looking around at different Mardi Gras music traditions, you know, around the Caribbean and, South, and, and Brazil, obviously. And so the record kind of was born out of those, that investigation, I guess. And so we, um, you know, we, we sort of picked and, ch- and chose what elements that we could sort of incorporate into what we do. And that was kind of how that record was, was made, you know. Yeah. And you guys have your own, like, uh, your own studio? Is it in one of your houses? Uh, 
No, we have a warehouse and a studio sort of situation where we keep our road gear on one side and, and have a, a, you know, a functioning recording studio. It's not like open to the public or anything like that. Yeah. But, um, but certainly is, is very uh, usable. We feel very lucky to have it, actually. Um, so, yeah, we have a great situation in New Orleans for recording. And then, you know, we'll finish stuff in other studios a lot of times. And, like, you know, mixing and mastering and stuff have to be done in other places. Do you all get together to uh, when you're when you're pu- pulling the album together like that, or do you? Uh, I've uh, some bands I talk to sometimes like email uh, parts of tracks and stuff back and forth to each other to uh, to kind of prepare or kind of pull it together. That well, yeah, way. there's certainly some of that. You know, we're together a lot because we're t- we tour. You know, yeah, um, 100 dates a year or whatever. But uh, certainly, two of the our bass player Robert and um, technical player Ben both produce records outside of Galactic, so they kind of spearhead a lot of the. Um, recording stuff. Yeah, and um, and so you had um, Al Johnson. He he played on Carnival Time, and um, did did you know him because he he passed away in two thousand thirteen, right? So how? Well, he he is kind of this guy about town, you know, and um, and so you know the idea of doing like a classic a remake of a classic like that was definitely something we were immediately interested in, and you know we saw him like in a commercial or something. Yeah, we were like, holy shit, you know he's still. And, you know, he plays at my kids, um, our drummer's kids' school from time to time. Um, just sort of donates his time, you know? Yeah. Because I think his granddaughter goes there or something. So it was like, all right, well, Al is out there, and he sounds pretty fucking good still. So, you know, this 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 could happen. So that that was sort of an exciting uh, <laughs> exciting moment. We actually had him come play the, play, play on the gig at Mardi Gras um, with the band, too. Yeah. That year, uh, last year, I guess. Yeah, totally. He's a great guy. And still in great shape, sounds great, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so now you uh, you have Erica Falls. Uh, she's playing with you uh, with you guys on on this tour, and it looks like you guys have shows with her even into the summer, right? Oh yeah, yeah. She's been killing it. Yeah. You know, she was with Joe Sample for a while before he died, sadly. Um, and so she's she's very experienced, and like it's been pretty awesome watching her sort of, you know get up to speed of what Galactic's doing and sort of, uh, yeah, she's been bringing a bit yeah. on this tour. So, yeah, we're excited about her for sure. Yeah, I've seen some of the videos and it seems like she has a really great energy that kind of works well with, with uh, the band. Yeah, and, you know, and so, you know, whenever we switch singers out, it's like you get all this new material going and it's just kind of exciting, you know. Um, the sets kind of change and in, in, in character a little bit, so it's, it's been fun for us, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Because you know you don't. You, if you're doing it this as much as we do, you don't want to be doing the same thing, you know, for years. It's 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 a, it's been a nice breath of fresh air having her out here for sure. Yeah, and uh, so um, the shows at the Fillmore, you have uh, Kung Fu opening for you. To, uh, well, t- tonight in Los Angeles as well, uh, and tomorrow. But then also on uh, Saturday you have Con Brio. Have you played with them, Con Brio, before? No, I don't think so. Uh, but Kung Fu is a pretty badass band, I have to say. Uh, I was checking them out last night in San Diego. Uh, you know, some, I saw a different part of their set that I guess I hadn't seen. And, uh, yeah, they're they're shredding, man. They sound great. Yeah. Uh, but, no, I'm not that familiar with, with um, Cumbria. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm actually going to be interviewing Conbrio at the show um, on Saturday, so I'll be there to see you guys and um, in your show, which I'm really looking forward to. I think it'll be great. Um, I haven't seen you guys live yeah, before, before but, um, but I'm really looking forward to it. Cool. Yeah. 
Very cool. Well, Jeff, I want to thank you for taking the time today to do the interview with the Concert Pipeline here. And um, yeah, have a great show tonight. And then um, and then we'll see you this weekend at the Fillmore. <laughs>
So that was the interview with uh, Galactic. Really awesome for them to take the time and play such an incredible set at the at the Fillmore, such a legendary venue, right? You love the Fillmore. Love the Fillmore. I'm uh, I'm very grateful, Galactic, for the interview. I'm sorry I couldn't participate, but thank you so much for uh, for hooking it up. It's a good interview. Thank you, guys. Totally. So uh, we're going to play another song here from Galactic set at the Fillmore, and we'll, we'll end the show later on um, with, uh, with one more track. So you get a couple more uh, Galactic songs in this podcast. Um, this is another one of those uh, collaborations that I told you about where they, they brought out... Uh, Galactic had actually tweeted um, a little earlier in the night saying they have some special guests uh, lined up for the, the show, and someone tried asking, like, who? And and then they said, you have to see, sort of thing. So uh, this is uh, a song featuring uh, Bay Area native Lyrics Born. Um, and um, and I, I've, heard, I've heard of his name, um, but I don't know a lot about him. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I guess his name is uh, Tusomo Tom uh, uh, Shimura. And um, he was... For, uh, formerly Asia-born, uh, but he changed his name to Lyrics-born. He's a, um, he's a, uh, what is it? He's a, oh, he's he was half of the duo Latrix, and he's a Japanese-American rapper and producer. So, um, so he came out, did a did a couple songs uh, as well, and got the crowd um, hyped up, which is. Really cool. Um, we're going to take a listen to one of the songs that he collaborated on with Galactic. Sounds good.
Okay, again, that was Lyrics Born with Galactic from their uh, set at the Fillmore in San Francisco. So we're going to move on. Uh, Joe, what's your favorite segment on Concert Pipeline? The only segment, Stephen Jones. It is the only segment. Music News! All right. Uh, so uh, some of these stories are borrowed from antimusic.com slash day and rock. Where are you getting? You have a couple stories, right, Joe? Where are you getting yours from? Um, I'm not. I'm just I, I, I know of um, things that are happening. Because, <laughs> you know the happenings, uh, huh? Well, I mean, just floating around on the Internet. It's, it's hard. It's hard to not spend. You know, it's hard to not dig things up when you spend all day surfing the webs. This is true. Um, yeah, so I, I, I don't know if you've been to Loser.com yet, uh, or if you know where it goes. Have you, Stephen Jones? Loser.com? Yeah. I don't, I don't can't say I have. I try not to frequent that site. Why? <laughs> go ahead and go to Loser.com and okay. see where it takes you. Okay. We're, but don't spoil it for the fans. Oh, that is classy. Isn't that great? <laughs> I love it. I think that's so funny. That is classy. I, 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 how do they do that? That is, that's funny. Okay. It's. I think it's brilliant. It's uh, and it's true, in so many ways, because <laughs> you, it's proof that you can have all the attention, all the money, all the um, <clears throat> all the fame, all the notoriety, but you, you at the end of the day, how you carry yourself is all that matters. Yeah, yeah. He's got to know about that, right? I hope he does, because it's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Uh, he would, like, shut that down, right? He wanted that picture of him making out with himself, taking off the internet. He'd, sh- right. <laughs> he'd try and shut He's going to try. So, yeah. All that money, I guess, still can't shut down a, a website that he has no control over. So, free speech on the internet. That's right. So, um, good stuff. Uh, how did you find out about that? Um... I saw it on uh, social media. Oh, okay. All the time on the internet. I gotcha. Um, so let's hit a couple. Right. Let's hit a couple stories here. Um, and the first, uh, first is the ongoing Blink One Eighty Two saga. Just a real short blurb on it, really. Um, Wait, hold on. Sorry to interrupt. Hold on, real quick. I'm getting a call from work. Okay. Okay. So we were talking about uh, the Blink One Eighty Two saga and. Um, Travis Barker was interviewed by Alternative Nation where he gave more insight into the whole fiasco over Tom DeLonge's status in the band, noting that he has no bad blood with his former bandmate. Uh, He said, I think the right thing for him to do would uh, just man up and quit the band instead of telling people he didn't quit and just be real with the fans. I think that, that would give him some closure too and really do what he's passionate about. Uh, even amongst all uh, the other projects I do, I can always find a way to prioritize and still be passionate about Blink-182 when it comes around. I love playing, listening, and everything about punk rock. It changed my life. I think for Tom, he doesn't like punk music, and it was a phase for him. Um, and Barker also says that this is the third time DeLong has quit. So, Right. I think it's over. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to call it when it's over, right? Call it when it's over, man. You, gotta, you know what I'm talking about. Stick a fork in it. Yep, stick a fork in it, I'm done. It is done. <laughs> yeah, so, and, I, yeah, I don't know what Tom DeLong's holding on to. Obviously, uh, he's the odd man out in this situation, and um, and they're not, it's not like 
he's been active with the band. Hey, there's no his side, right? That he doesn't get a he doesn't have a side to the story. So right. So, what's there to say? <laughs> Just end it. If you're, you know, they they're they've moved on without him. They've they've sent like Mark Hoppus has posted pictures of them um, in the studio and rehearsing with. I don't even remember who the other guy's name is, but um, the the guy who they've replaced him with, right? And, right, right. and so they they move. You know, we're moving on. On they go. On they I go. um, I have a news story. You do. What Flaming you lips. And Juliana Barwick uh, are going to be covering the, the Beatles and Davy Bowie. Davy Bowie at the, uh, I don't know why I said Davy, David Bowie <laughs> at uh, Tibet House Benefit. Um, so there's the uh, annual installment of the Tibet House Benefit concert uh, at Carnegie Hall. Do you say Carnegie or Carnegie? Carnegie. I don't, why do I say Carnegie? I don't know I why you'd say that. Always said, it's so stupid. I don't know what that <laughs> is. It's like Davy Bowie. Um, and the Flaming Lips uh, are going to be performing and they're going to play the Beatles. She leaves me. Uh, she's leaving home. Uh, uh, and, uh, David Bowie's, uh, Warsaw Zoa. Warsaw Zoa. Why can't I pronounce anything right now? You're having some trouble. Warsaw Zoa. There it is. Um, uh, I'm, uh, yeah, well, being sick doesn't help, but, um, uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, I would love to go to that show someday, but I'm never going to be in New York. No. Uh, when that show's going on, so well, I guess never say never, but I'd say a Justin Bieber reference there for you. A little, a weekly Justin Bieber reference. Never say never. Um, yeah, what do you think? Would you go to that show? Yeah, I'd, I'd check it out. I'd check it out. Um, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, yeah, anytime. And Flaming Lips are great. I mean, they're awesome live performers. and Amazing. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone would dispute that. So anything they do, I mean, uh, I I don't, I'm not a f like a huge fan of their music. I don't follow their music that much. But just even from that time where we saw them live uh, years and years and years ago, um, put on such an incredible live performance. It's insane. So mm, so, so good. I mean, one of, oh, still one of my all time favorite shows. Yeah, yeah, that was so great. Yeah. Um, so I I check out them live anytime. Totally. No, that was not, street team. I wouldn't fly. Yeah, I wouldn't fly to New York to see them live. But I mean, they played Bottle Rock the first year, and I didn't see see them there. And so, uh, um, but given the opportunity, yes, I would check them out. Nice. Um, I got another one. Go for it. Prince is going on a surprise hit and run tour. Uh, it's going to be coming to the United States March fourteenth in Louisville, Kentucky. Is going to be the kickoff show. Um, it doesn't sound like a surprise um, if they have a date planned. Right. Well, he just went on tour in Europe and nobody really gave a shit, which is really too bad because Prince is dope. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I saw I saw Prince at uh, the Oracle Arena. You did. That's right. Probably about five years ago now, and uh, it was a great show. Yeah, I've never I've never seen him live, so um, that'd be an experience, I'm sure. You totally should. Sometime, maybe maybe he'll surprise us and play at Bottle Rock. I think that was a one, that was one of the rumors for last year. Actually, I think was that like Prince was going to be there or something because he was actually in the Bay Area playing some shows in Oakland at the Fox Theater. I think like some la like you know last minute surprise shows there. Um, and so one of the rumors that I'd heard was that he was going to be playing at Bottle Rock, and uh, that didn't happen. So no, 
Uh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Nazi principle. What do you got for me? Um, I got you that uh, Metallica, uh, they're close to being done creating um, a new album with songs. So Lars says the, the band have written close to 20 songs for the follow-up to 2008's Death Magnetic. And he says the creative elements are getting close to being done. He gave Rolling Stone an update on the progress of the songwriting for the new album. We are fucking in it. Uh, we got lots of songs and we're honing them and tweaking them. It's pretty close. He then defined what he meant by close <laughs> 2018 it'll be right just uh the creative elements uh are getting close to being done he says just remember this is metallica time when i say we're close to being done it means the next month or so there are lots of stuff uh go going on as continues with family and personal events but we're certainly down there writing pretty much every day uh, while the band has yet to choose a producer for the project, Ulrich reveals that the group are likely to debut some of their new material during, during their 2015 live shows. Are you interested? Yes. However, there is the caveat that I don't want... There, I don't think that they should be doing this for anybody other than themselves at this point. Yeah. They don't, they don't know the fans anything. I just I hope that they just do music they love to make and that it's not, you know, forced and it doesn't sound shitty and... That, you know, <clears throat> that they still have stories to tell. Yeah. They live under this caveat of being, like, the the top-selling band in the world, right? And having, I think they feel a lot of pressure around that um, as, you know, it's kind of broken down in this uh, some kind of monster documentary. Right. That they, that they, it's all about their feelings and, toward, you know, toward each other and everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they feel a lot of pressure around that, and I think that kind of can affect the quality of what they do. They're, you know, that they're not in the same place they they used to be in. I totally agree. I think that it's. Uh, I think that they end up sacrificing part of what makes the music and creation process organic and whole and real. And instead, they're doing it. You know, they're doing it to kind of live up to the hype, and it's just not. It's not a good way to produce. So. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That's so it goes. Who knows when that'll be coming? You know, just because they're done writing, then they have to go and record. It's gonna, it's gonna be a while, I think. You know, like they said, Metallica time. Not they don't rush to any albums. Saint Anger was two thousand three, I think, right? And yeah, and it was horrible. <laughs> and then, and then this one. So they do like an album every five years. It, it sounds like two thousand eight. Um, it's been longer than five years, even since Death Magnet Magnetic. I can't believe that's that old. That's crazy. I remember. And that. I remember a lot of the like backlash because like they did that album with Rick Rubin and then there was some audio issue with the album like uh where they took it they took a dump on their solos too. Yeah. So um that just that doesn't feel like 6 years ago that that last album came out but that's that's crazy so Metallica time, you know. Yeah. Um so just a quick note, Kid Rock was kept from the top of the album charts by 2,000 albums being held out by Big Sean. I have no idea who Big Sean yeah, is. That um, sucks. I don't know who Big Sean is either. Yeah, but he has got to feel pretty big debuting it um, at uh, number one for the week. Um, and then uh, Grohl stops Foo Fighters show for a blind fan. There's a video clip that was shot last week that shows Dave Grohl interrupting his band's performance to grant a request to a fan. The audience member in Sydney, Australia is holding up a sign that asks for a memento from the show, and the band leader obliges. Uh, Grohl tells the crowd, we love coming here to play shows for your people. And he turned to Hawkins, uh, Taylor Hawkins, the drummer, 
um, says, give me a drumstick, and then he hands it down uh, from the stage. And then he explains, there's a guy in the front row, he's got a sign that says, drumstick for a blind guy. Uh, and then he carried on with the show. <laughs> Dave Grohl is the coolest badass there is. Like, he's just such a great guy and down to earth. And he's the biggest rock, like one of the biggest rock stars out there, right? And that's, but I'd say, I would argue that he's the biggest rock star of our time that's just so personable and down to earth and himself. Like, um, I mean, I've met him twice. And, um, and he's just so cool. He's in the moment. He's, uh, and he's there for his fans, you know? He's just a good dude. He's a good dude. Yeah, totally. And like, that's, that's just the coolest thing, right? Who, everybody else, I mean, and not, not everybody else would ignore a sign like that, I'm sure. But, um, I don't know how a blind guy got to the front of a, a crowd like, uh, like that. But, but that's, that's really a cool thing to do. So, <laughs> I don't know. Just a little little thing. It's a little thing. He, he didn't do it for the you know recognition or anything, but he did it to just be a cool dude and um, I love it and recognize it. So, um, you have a you have another story? Um, I got one. I don't know how interesting you're. I don't know think how interested you're going to be, but there's a dude named Action Bronson. Have you ever heard of him? I don't think so. He's a hip hop artist and a chef out of New York City, the Bronx. And he just released uh, his single titled Baby Blue this past week featuring Chance the Rapper. Uh, and he, uh, he threw up a making of video online that's actually really cool. And uh, he's a super interesting dude. He's a really weird guy who smokes. His whole thing is like, I smoke a blunt, then I do this, then I smoke a blunt, then I do this, then I smoke a blunt. And like, it's, it's comedy, but it's like how he operates. And it's not a shtick for him. It's just who he is. Mm-hmm. And it's really fascinating, and I think that you should definitely check it out. Um, you should definitely look up Baby Blue, uh, his new single, and you should also check out the making of Baby Blue. Um, Action Bronson is his name. He's this big, chubby white dude with a huge beard, uh, and he's it's super interesting stuff. I love it. I think it's it's a really neat little peek into uh, into a strange world that is so foreign to me that I, I have no <laughs> no frame of reference for any of it. Baby blue. That's cool. Baby blue. Definitely peep it. So. Well, I got one more story then, and uh, then we can kind of wind, wind things down. Um, Paul McCartney uh, has added even more star power to Alice Cooper's new supergroup, Hollywood Vampires. We talked about them, um, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you remember, you remember that? You, you love supergroups. Joe is all about supergroups, so we have to end on a supergroup story, right? <laughs> that also features... Do you remember the, the other members of Hollywood Vampires? So, um, Your favorite, Johnny, by the way. Johnny Depp. Yes. Good. Um, and uh, Alice Cooper. Uh-huh. And I think... I think Joe Perry. Yes, you got it. You love it. You've been peeping their shit. You... <laughs> <laughs> I hate myself right now. You did it. That is excellent. I could. I don't think I could have even pulled it, and I'm the one who reported it. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. You're a big fan. Uh, so. <laughs> So, Perry revealed last year that he recorded with McCartney as part of a secret project, and now he's provided more details in an interview with Rolling Stone, explaining that the collaboration is part of the cover album being made by the new supergroup led by Alice Cooper. Uh, The Aerosmith guitarist says that they worked with McCartney on a cover of Bad Fingers, Come and Get It. 
which the Beatles legend wrote and produced for the group in the late 1960s, with McCartney and Cooper sharing lead vocal duties on the track. And so McCartney knew all the chords, lyrics, everything, says Perry. He didn't have any cheat sheets. It was like he'd been playing it his whole life. He also explained it was what it was like to be in the studio with McCartney. Uh, we were standing there and looking at each other, and I tell you, if there's uh, any ego lever in a room, it's Paul. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. If Paul's in the room, he's there. Uh, it was hard to focus on playing. The song was recorded for the album project that will pay tribute to the original Hollywood Vampires, which is a group of rock stars that gathered together at the Rainbow Bar and Grill on the Sunset Strip of Hollywood during the 1970s. Um, and the, the original um, Hollywood Vampires included like John Lennon, Harry uh, uh, Nilsson, and The Who's Keith, uh, Keith Moon. Um, and so the Bad Cover... Badfinger cover was recorded in tribute to the late members Pete Ham and Mark Evans, who both committed suicide. Um, right, which sucks. Yeah, yeah. So um, you love supergroups, and you will be there wherever they are. <laughs> I, I know it. <laughs> I love supergroups. I love them. Yeah. And so uh, so we can kind of take that story and our music news, and uh, while we're talking about Beatles, kind of um, hype the next episode of Concert Pipeline for next week. Which, uh, which I got a chance to do a phone interview with. Um, do you remember the band Mr. Mister, right? How could I forget? How could you forget? And so, uh, what was their hit again? Single? What was their single in the eighties? Uh, bro- uh, broken wings. How's it go? Um, these, these broken wings. <laughs> 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 There you go. Yeah. There you go. And, and so uh, that was around when I was two and you were one. You were a little baby. Um, just start. Yeah, yeah, you were much more immature than I was. <laughs> I was such a little baby <laughs> at two, at, you, at one. You, you were. And, uh, and so I got to talk to uh, Richard Page, the lead singer of Mr. Mister, um, and he's, he's done a lot of other stuff. Obviously, he's been playing music his whole life. Um, and so we, we talked for like 20 minutes. Um, and he's a part of uh, Ringo Starr's uh, all-star uh, band now, and it has been for since like 2010. It's the longest itineration of Ringo Starr's band because they go through a lot of different waves of artists, but they found this thing that kind of clicked, and they all work well together, and there's no super ego egos. They just kind of do their thing. And so... Um, that is so funny to me. Like yeah, they don't have they're not super egos. It's like oh, yeah, good yeah. times. Well, yeah. So, uh, so who that, would think that they could collaborate without being jackasses? I know. Well, they just they go out and they um, they you'll hear it in the interview next week. But uh, they play songs. They they just play like three of each of their songs um, and all jam together on them. And Ringo's on drums and everything. And they're playing at the Masonic in San Francisco. Um, this week, there's a couple tickets left. If I think, um, if you really want to go, uh, you can sit in the back row or something. But ah, uh, uh, we'll see. I work a lot. Well, not you. I mean the fans. Oh, the right, yeah. fans. No, no, no. no. You were trying to get me to go. No, I couldn't. Couldn't get tickets to Ring, the Ringo Star show. But um, but I talked to, like I said, Richard Page, who's really cool to talk to, and um, and so we'll have that next week uh, for you on Concert Pipeline, and also. I think uh, we're finally going to make the They Run By Night interview happen, according to we you. We are. We're making it happen. We're making it happen. That's Joe's uh, stamp of approval. So. Well, I'm off. You're so off. So it's not going to... Yeah, I don't have to work. And uh, and assuming I have two windows uh, in the front of my car, I will be able to drive to uh, to Oakland for that show. 
Is it a hotel? Utah is in Oakland. Oh, no, not Oakland. You're right. San Francisco. You thought it was Utah. I'm saying Oakland now. Uh, We're we're getting closer. It's San Francisco. (laughs) I'll go go back to San Francisco Um, and not leave the equipment in the car. How's that sound? I think you should never leave the equipment in the car ever again. Yeah. So... Um, so that's, a that's our show for today. We're going to play you out with one more song from Galactic. This is an instrumental, uh, uh, song that they did, uh, without any vocals. Pretty cool though. Um, great set. And so for Concert Pipeline, that's Joe Wilson. That's Stephen Jones. We'll catch you next week. I don't know what that means to play us out. What does that mean? To end the show? Yeah. Yeah. All right, go, go. In five, four, three. Thank <laughs> you.
Thank you.